Poker, All the Games, is a podcast that introduces listeners to more than 20 variations of poker. Each episode will highlight one game, as well as dive into any controversial news in the poker world. We know why you're here. Because you love poker as much as we do. Now introducing your host, Sean Griegas. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Poker All the Games. This is episode 32 of Poker All the Games, where we will discuss Omajack, a split pot combination of two games combined into one. I'm your host, Sean, coming to you not from the Northeast today, but for this episode, I'm coming at you from the Southwest coast of the United States, specifically in San Diego, California along with co-host Martin, who joins us from Malta. Martin and I enjoy mixed poker games. We've also each written a poker book, and we enjoy trying different beers. So we'll be starting off today's show as we do each episode with me reviewing a beer from the United States and Martin reviewing one from Europe. So sit back, grab a beer as long as you're not driving, and enjoy our beer reviews and subsequent discussions of mixed poker games. So today I'm pouring an American IPA from Alpine Brewing Company. They were originally founded in Alpine, California, and then acquired by Green Flash Brewing in San Diego. Let's have a smell. Oh, as expected, there are a lot of notes of pine and citrus, sort of typical of a West Coast IPA. This beer pours a straw yellow with a big head of white foam. Uh, it's mostly clear. There, it's it is hazy, slightly hazy, but not a hazy IPA uh, style. So it's a it's a bit cloudy. Now for the best part, let's have a taste. So while the aroma is strong of pine and citrus, the flavor is even bolder with that that pine and citrus leading the way, and then. There's actually some, maybe a little bit of like cedar notes um, coming in after. A lot of these styles of beer have a malt backbone to balance out the hops. And while this one does have that, it's, I'd say it's just a touch. So it's it's not really balancing it. This one leans harder on the hops, which is part of what makes it really good. Duet has a medium body and solid mouth feel. It's almost resinous from the hops, but not a, not as much as I'd say uh, six points resin. Uh, this one is not highly carbonated, but it works fine for this beer. After a couple of sips here, I'm noticing a generous amount of lacing on the glass. That's where um, as you drink, there's a, a ring of foam will sort of stay around the outside of the glass as the level drops in the glass. And uh, it's indicative of a clean glass and a protein-rich beer, which are positive attributes. So this is Alpine Brewing's Duet American IPA. It's a bold-flavored West Coast IPA, just below the double IPA cutoff, coming in at 7% ABV. And I know one of the first listeners, Martin, that I've had on this podcast will really enjoy that I have found this beer and am <laughs> sipping on it at the moment. So while I continue to enjoy this one, uh, we'll let Martin describe what beer he has for us. I'm looking forward to this one, Sean. I have a a beer from a, a well-known Italian brewery, Peroni. 
the Peroni lager is very popular and, and really good quality lager, I would say. But this is not a lager. This is a Gran Reserva Bianca, which is a Weissen. So it's a wheat beer, and uh, I'm a particular fan of wheat beers. Um, I've poured it out. It's uh, looking at it. It's very quite cloudy blonde beer, but there's quite a lot of carbonation going on in there. The, 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 the head of foam is quite thick. There's a, a couple of spots of sediment from inside the bottle there, which I think that's a good sign in a craft beer. I, 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 I can't describe why, but I'm sure you could. Um, yeah, let me have a smell. Definitely a rice beer. It did reminiscent of the German ones that I often so often drink. Let's have a taste. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a nice, pleasantly drinkable beer. It's um, very fresh. There's a little bit of spiciness to it. I think some cloves in there. That, that that's a very nice beer. I'm, I'm glad I got this one. This is a this is a lovely beer. Cheers, Sean. Salute, Martin. Uh, Grand Reserve Bianca. Salute. Yes. Yeah, I've had some Peroni over the years, but uh, I don't think I've ever had a, a Weizen from them. And I, I guess I'm not even didn't even know they made it. I haven't seen it before. Yeah, I'm glad I found it. It's a good one. I, I, I do think Peroni is a good good quality lager, and uh, yeah, it, it's, it's reflected in the beer. It's it's a it's a good vice, and it's a nice quality. It's uh, it stands up well. It's it's good. Yeah, I'm enjoying that. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, especially yeah, they they do are typical of having the cloves in. So if it has that, it definitely um, is indicative of the style. So excellent yeah. choice. Thank you. Remember that our focus here is non holdem poker specifically for anyone interested in trying their hands at mixed games and or those looking to try different variations of poker, whether you're a dealer, a player, or a card room manager. Our goal is to define the rules, the play, and easy-to-remember basic strategy tips to get you started in the mixed poker game arena. Today's episode, we're covering Omajack. So Martin, why don't you walk us through the game of Omajack? Sure. Now, I first played this game in Las Vegas last year at Robbie Straczynski's Mixed Games Festival, which will be coming, which will be happening again round about when this podcast is released. Now, yeah, um, just a, a yeah, a few days later, within a week or something like that. It, it's pretty pretty popular with the people that I've played it with, uh, both in the US and in Europe, because I brought it back to Europe with me last June and uh, played it quite a lot since then, and it, it so it always goes down well. And you've you mentioned already that it's a combination of two games and what this the, these games are, Five Card Omaha and Blackjack. It can be played either fixed limit or pot limit. The fixed limit seems very popular in the US and pot limit in Europe. I think it's an eight mics game. To go straight into how it's dealt and played, first of all, the two players to the left of the dealer button will post some blinds. The dealer then gives five cards each to each player. Typical bet flop, post-flop bet, turn, post-turn bet, river, last betting round, and then showdown. That sequence has been well covered in previous episodes. That you know, There's nothing complicated about this game like drawing cards, except you then get to the showdown, at which point you're using your best Omaha hand. So you have five cards in your hand, you have to look at the board, and consider which two cards make the best Omaha hand. Put those to one side and look at the three cards that remain. Add those up. They are your blackjack hand. Aces count 1 or 11. And you need to get as close as possible to 21 without going over 21. The cards choose themselves. 
So you cannot uh, look at your hand and think, those three cards make 21, I'll make the other two cards the, black, the, the Omaha hand. It doesn't work like that. You have to play your best Omaha hand. And quite often that can lead to you uh, losing both sides of the pot. One example to illustrate how you must use the best two cards out of your hand. If you have, for example, ace-jack and six of clubs and two red deuces, and the board at the river is king, nine and five of clubs, queen of diamonds, eight of hearts. Yes, you have the nut flush. It'd be nice to use the... Oh, I picked a bad example there, sorry. Let's let's say not two red deuces. Let's say ace-jack yeah. and six of clubs, the two of hearts, and the eight of diamonds. You would like to use the jack and six of clubs to make your flush. So you could make the ace, deuce, and eight, make 21 for the blackjack. But you have to use the ace and jack of clubs, specifically those two, because they make the best Omaha hand possible. And that leaves your blackjack hand, a six plus two plus two equals 10. So it's very weak. The only exception when you can choose two cards from your hand to make your um, Omaha hand and leave you with a better blackjack hand is when there are four cards to a straight on the board. So, for example, if the board is six, seven, nine, ten, ace, and I mean, whether or not there's a flush there is, is irrelevant, it, because if your hand is king, nine, eight, six, two, if you had to use nine, eight to make the straight, which are the two highest cards in your hand that make the straight, you would have a blackjack hand of eighteen. King is ten, six, and two. King ten plus six plus two is eighteen. But you can use the eight and six; they make exactly the same straight. That makes your blackjack hand now king 10 plus 9 plus 2 equals 21. So you have a straight and 21 for the blackjack hand. Uh, that's the only exception. That's the only time when you can choose the cards. And it's uh, very strict, very strictly limited to that. Because if you had a jack in your hand as well, that would make a higher straight. You would have to use the jack to make the higher straight. Sean, is that clear? I think that's pretty good. Um, We'll just maybe do a quick recap here like like i usually try to do um and I, yeah i'm glad you mentioned that the most important thing really is to remember what you've said uh, several times that you know you you have to make the best omaha hand and even though you know you, you gave a, an example um, which was extremely helpful where you can choose the cards but you're still making the same straight that's what's important you're still making the same high straight but you can exactly. do it with different cards so in the example that, I gave, it was a 10 high straight. There were two two yeah. possible ways to do that with the eight and the nine or the eight and the six. And you can choose whether to use the nine or the six for the blackjack hand. But it's rare. Almost all yeah. the time you are you are forced to use the two hands that make, two cards rather that make the best Omaha hand. And then uh, Yep. So so either way you still make hand. Yeah, you're still making the ten high straight, but you can do it two different ways and then, then you have yeah. an advantage to pick for your blackjack hand. Yeah. So, so that's important. And the rest of it, as you mentioned about the, the deal and the, the betting rounds, that's exactly as Omaha goes. So we, we've talked about that and you kind of alluded yeah. to that, but it's, as long as you know how to play Omaha, you know how to play this game. And I mean, you can really just kind of, I would imagine we'll, we'll talk about strategy here in a minute, but uh, you know, sounds like you just really go on playing an Omaha game and uh, the rest is kind of up to fate in a way. Wow. Yeah. yeah. The one example that I know, and this is almost a perfect hand, right, is so let's just give another uh, I'll give another quick example here. If the board reads, say, seven, king, 
three three ten. So seven king three three ten. It doesn't matter in this example if there's going to be a flush or not. So a seven, a king, a pair of threes, and a ten on the board, and a player tables king king six seven eight. So they would use the two kings to make a king's fool, king's full of threes for the Omaha hand, and then they would have a eight seven six um, for a perfect twenty one blackjack hand. So that would uh, I don't know how many examples of those there actually are, but um, that that is kind of one. One that I yeah, that's, to have a that's that's a that's a really nice uh, situation to be in to be to be nutted on the board and nutted in your hand is uh, is where you want to be for sure. I do have some more to to talk about, but I want to see uh, why don't you start. Give us some beginners tips for Oma Jack because that'll lead lead me into any um, additional conversation. But you may uh, you may actually go over it during your strategy tips, and we'll see if I have any questions after that. Sure. Okay. Well. Um, I'll start again with don't be the mug. Don't be the mug who plays all low cards. So, for example, 75433 might seem like an Omaha hand that can catch some low boards and uh, catch some players unaware that think that high cards that they have in their hand are uh, ahead pre-flop and, 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 and that people that call them pre-flop are not going to be calling with low cards and so they can carry on playing high aces or whatever. Yeah, I see pros doing that, Martin, funny enough, yeah. uh, in some of these yeah. Omaha tournaments. So, yeah, you're, exactly. you're right. So if avoid that Omaha, in this game. Yeah, right. If you play in Omaha, it can be a winning strategy for sure. If you, if you feel your opponent's going to be overcommitted to those hands that have completely missed a low board, you've got the implied odds to play with those low hands that connect with the low boards. However, when you play Oma Jack, if you've got 75433, whatever hand you're going to make, your, your blackjack is going to be at the best 16 if the pair of threes plays right to the end. Your blackjack hand is going to be at the best 16. You're really hoping for a perfect board to be able to win the Omaha hand, and you're almost giving up on the blackjack hand. You're just hoping the other person busts. I mean, that's possible, but it doesn't happen too often. So that that's the don't be the mug tip. Don't don't just go with low cards that can't make anything close to 21. The other The other thing to say is, some of the wonderful Omaha hands that we all enjoy playing, like King, Queen, Jack, 10, 9, double suited, they can make a lovely Omaha hand, but bear in mind, somebody's going to take half the pot away from you because somebody's going to qualify for a blackjack hand and you're going to bust. The, the lowest hand you can, the lowest total you can make with 19, Jack, Queen, King is 29. Um, with the, if you, if you're, any, any two of your cards higher than nine, play with the board. The nine with the other two cards, you're going to make 29. And that busts. So you're not going to scoop a pot unless, again, the other person busts. From experience, it's pretty rare that nobody qualifies for the um, blackjack hand. I should have said that during the setting out the rules, actually. If nobody qualifies for the blackjack hand, the Omaha hand does scoop. The best Omaha hand does scoop. But as I say, in, in, in practice, for practical purposes, people stay in when they can make 21. Probably too often, to be honest. But what that means is you cannot overplay these Omaha hands when your blackjack hand is going to bust. So if you do have those lovely Omaha hands, 9-10 Jack, Queen, King, don't be trying to drive people out of the pot. Encourage as many people in the pot as possible. If there's five people in the pot and you make the nuts in the Omaha, you're going to get one half of a pot that you've only contributed 20% towards. So you're going to make a profit. Um, how often does that happen? So be, be very cautious with both those extremes, the all low cards and the all high cards. The, the last tip, 
make sure that if you can make 21, that you don't need to make a very specific and unlikely Omaha hand to do so. For example, King 9-2, that makes 21. If your other two cards are, say, deuce 7, and let's say your deuce is, your deuce is uh, the same suit as your king, and the 7 is the same suit as the 9, very rare that your 7 deuce is going to play on the Omaha hand. If it does, it's probably not going to win the Omaha hand. So even though you can make 21 with king 9-2, it's not very often going to be useful for you. Because usually the, the Omaha hand that you make will use two of the other cards. Okay, um, over to you, Sean. Any more questions? Let's go through a couple of questions here, just me and maybe further help people. But how, how often do people bust on the blackjack side, would you say? Is it often or or not? Not that you have a specific sort of percentage or number, but more often than not, more or less than not. It's not rare, but it's also not, it's it's a minority of the time. It's less than 50% of the time. Essentially, if people put in a lot of money in the pot, they usually feel good about one side or the other. And if they're meeting action, at least one of them is going to have a good blackjack hand. Yeah. By which I mean, you know, don't rely on the fact that you have a good Omaha hand and the other person might bust. The other okay. people might bust. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, if if you bust and you, you win the Omaha, yeah, you're not going to scoop very often at all. Extremely rare. Okay, all right, yeah, that that's important to know um, to, to uh, gauge starting hands for sure. So, are things like if you have say king king queen queen x, I, I don't know, a low card preferably. Although I guess that's not good. I, I kind of like the king yeah, king yeah. queen queen. An ace, maybe you want with that, right? To if That's you get a, a set of kings hand. or queens, right, then you could get twenty-one. Yeah, king, king, queen, queen, ace is a wonderful hand. If you hit your ace. That's unfortunate because your blackjack hand is going to bust unless you happen to make a king high flush. <laughs> with a king that's suited with a queen. That, that can be wonderful because then you're going to have a king high flush and 21. But yeah, so that, that's the sort of starting hand that I really enjoy seeing. Two, four, yeah. four picture cards or four uh, face cards and an ace. I'll, 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 I'll go ahead with that hand, even you know with heavy action, because there are, there are quite, quite good opportunities to scoop or get three quarters of a pot there with those kinds of cards. And then just like in blackjack, aces can play one or 11. Not that it probably matters a whole lot, I would imagine, but... And it is something to bear in mind. You know, if you have, an, for example, a hand like um, ace, nine, eight, seven, six, ace, nine, eight, six, five, and the ace is suited, an ace with middle cards, you, you can take a flop with a hand like that, looking to make a good blackjack hand or a good Omaha hand or both. You know, those those kinds of hands make straights often. And with the ace, depending on which card you're using to make your straight, you can make a, 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 a hand that's close to 21. Yeah, so the ace being 1 or 11 is, is what matters in that sort of situation. Uh, also, you, you can use, for example, ace 5-5, five, five, for, to make 21 if the other two cards are going to make your, your blackjack hand uh sorry your your omaha hand the ace five five yeah. blackjack hand and the other two cards let's say you have jack 10 ace jack 10 five five and the board is seven eight nine x y you've made a jack eye straight and 21 
Yeah, and I guess the example I gave with with like king king queen queen, um, you kind you need the ace if you got your set or your flush, um, king queen flush. You know, you still need the ace to be the one because the you have the two picture cards and you have to use three. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Good. Yeah, it's a it's a nice number of examples. It's kind of interesting. That I, I I am curious about if people who like blackjack might you know people there are folks who like to play blackjack those who like to play poker and of course there's a a large crossover but i wonder if this would be an interesting game for people who like both or if they would find the blackjack it's because <laughs> it's not exactly blackjack as such but i'm wondering if they'd have an interest in a game like this just because of the inclusion of the the blackjack side of the game it's a game that gamblers enjoy i would say Omenjack is a game that gamblers enjoy um and that, that's a good thing you know it, it makes games um, in the mixed games environment, you're not looking for the uh, scientific um, uh, oh, ho- scientific poker player that studies all the hold'em solvers to get involved. You're looking for people that like to, like a bit of a gamble. There was a cash game I was playing a few months ago with a guy sitting in uh, seat two. So it was a deal of choice cash game. Every time he chose a game, he chose five card Omaha, and then I chose Omajack. I explained the rules to him, and he disappeared. So the rest of us played. And I folded down and looked over to where he was sitting. He'd gone to the blackjack table. So he loves five-card Omaha. He loves blackjack, but he didn't want to play a combination of the two. I don't, I can't, oh, I can't wow. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he likes separation in his life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does yeah. seem, as, as you kind of mentioned there, it does seem like a game for, you know, I use this term loosely, not in a negative way necessarily, but for for degenerate gamblers, you know th- those gamblers like you like you mentioned, <laughs> who like oh, a lot of action. Sure, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But, but <laughs> to be fair, a lot of these games are like that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, but, th- that that should appeal to everyone. You know, okay, you're a degenerate gambler. You've got a game you can uh, really get a hold of here. You know, oh, I'm making a, an Omaha hand. Oh, wait a minute, no, I'm making a blackjack hand. Oh, wonderful, I'm making both. Oh, you could be a serious poker player. You're trying to catch somebody who's trying trying to go one way or the other, and you, you're yes. you're hopefully going for both sides. You know, it's it's a great game. Everybody seems to enjoy it when they play this game. Um, yeah, I can imagine if you are from the blackjack side of of these games, if maybe you're more of a blackjack player that plays poker, you might have some sort of an edge. You might, I, I can imagine you can probably, not that it's hard to add up to 21, but the point is, is that you might see the blackjack side of things a lot clearer and easier and be able to sort of play hands maybe differently mm-hmm. than some other folks. Another little amusing anecdote. I played a home game last Saturday. This game was called, we started at 4 p.m. This, this game was called about 3 a.m. So we've been playing a long time, drinking a bit. And a woman that was playing turned around and said, "Oh, why you call this? I don't like counting." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, this uh, is one of the easier. This seems to me one of the easier. Some of the other games where you're like, you know, they're the number games where uh, seem yeah. uh, twenty one. I guess just because of blackjack, maybe it just to me it feels easier than some of the others. Yeah, it's it's more intuitive to people that have spent time in casinos. For whatever reason, I guess you know they've obviously been to blackjack tables. It's more intuitive than some of the other games that we've talked about. All right, yeah, let's. Uh, we I know, you know, we have a bit to talk about here. That now we've gone over Omajack. We have some mixed game news. You know, with the ongoing WSOP, I'll uh, I'll kind of run down 
some of the winners from the mixed games uh, to date so far here at the uh, 2023 WSOP kind of quickly and briefly, but uh, I want to call out some of these folks and then we'll have Martin go over some news and uh, talk about some of our play, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, from the 2023 uh, WSOP so far, we've had event number five, the $1,500 dealer's choice was won by Chad Evesledge for $132,000. And he also went on to win the $10,000 dealer choice for an additional $311,000. So he won both the $1,500 and the $10,000 dealer's choice. Event number nine was the $1,500 seven-card stud won by Nick Shulman for $111,000. That was, I watched that one on... uh, some of it may have been broadcast on YouTube and and then the rest on Poker Go. Um, and that, it's a great final table. Nick Schulman is also a commentator yeah. out of New York City originally. And uh, it just a great character to watch. He had a, 100%. he was in a little bit of a that. costume. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I watched that table as final table as well. And, and Nick, Nick Shulman's a fantastic. He's, he's just the sort of person that poker needs. Um, you know, commentating is he knows the games he's talking about, and he talks. He's, he's very articulate. He's witty. He's um, yeah, and 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 he's he's, he's at the table. He's uh, he's cool. Great he's, table he's so manners. Cool. Yeah, yes. table manners. Yeah, he's he's a wonderful character for poker, is Nick Shulman. I'm really pleased that he won that bracelet. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll contrast this when I get to the end of my list with another individual in uh, one of the last <laughs> games I'll talk about in this list, but I don't want to spoil it. But uh, yeah, I great think final team. Going to, yes. What are you going to with this? <laughs> Probably most of the community can take a take a guess. I'll give them a moment to think about it here. We then had. Um, event 14, the 10K seven-card stud won by Brian Yoon for 311000 Event 20, and this was a brand new one this year, the $1,500 Badoogie um, event. I wish I, I wasn't quite in town. That was a little before I um, got to Las Vegas, but I really would have loved to play that. Won by Michael Rodriguez for $145,000. So there were 516 runners in that event. So for, for uh, a, a brand new event and an odd one at that, Badoogie, uh, I, I'd call that a success. Event 24. Wonderful. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was a, a great to hear over 500 people in the Badoogie. Event 24, the $1,500 Raz won by David ODB Baker for 153,000. Event 27, uh, this was one I entered, which I'll talk about uh, during my play in a little bit in this episode. Uh, the 1,508 game mix won by none other than Sean Deeb for 199000 Event 30, the 1,500 deuce to seven triple draw won by John Monette for 146000 So I was actually watching this one live. Uh, there oh, were two wow. tables left when I was uh, at the WSOP. And along with John Monette at his table were Alan Kessler, Benny Glazer, um, and obviously some others. But those were the the ones I remember off the top of my head with with two tables left. And uh, I'll mention when we talk about my play, there was someone at the uh, the second table who actually came in second place um, that I played with that I'll discuss during my mixed game play. Then we had event thirty six. The $3,000 nine game mix won by a Japanese fellow, Raya Toro Suzuki, um, for 221000 
a couple more here. Event 41, the $1,500 Big O. And I'm not sure if that was a brand new event for this year or if that was out loud. I feel like I think it was. It's, I think it was. Yeah, another new one. Yep. One by Scott Abrams for 315000 And then the final one that I'll talk about here is the 50K PPC, which is underway. And that's a fun one to watch, too. I was watching some of that. I don't want to spoil it, but I will say that uh, Phil Ivey and uh, the other Phil, Hellmuth, that I alluded to <laughs> when, <laughs> when we were talking about Nick Shulman, and I said, oh, there's somebody else who's in contrast to that, um, is at the 50K <laughs> PPC <laughs> with, with a couple of tables left when I was watching. But the interesting piece is I was watching um, that on some YouTube, and they switched over to Helmuth where Helmuth and Ivy were sitting and Helmuth's microphone wasn't working. And I actually typed in the chat, you know, I'm yeah. kind of enjoying this with his mic not working. <laughs> 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 uh, look, I love Helmuth. He's a great player, but it does get his antics do get to get to be a bit much sometimes. It's funny. He doesn't put it on for the TV either. They mentioned that in the broadcast of the PPC, but I, I witnessed it myself because I played the, 1500 dealer's choice last year, uh, 2022. And he was on the next table to me when he was busted by uh, Josh Aria. Yeah, he, he, I won't repeat the words he used, but they were unacceptable. They were abusive. They were, it was foul and abusive language. Even though it was busted, Josh Aria called the floor, justifiably. Um I, mean, wow. I think Helmuth's fantastic. He, he he's a fantastic player. He's, he can't get to all these bracelets. He's won sixteen without being a wonderful player. I don't want to judge his personality, but it is um, it's something that can be a negative experience for others that play with him. I don't know. You know, there, there have been th things said about his upbringing and what have you that, that led him to be such a competitive person that doesn't take uh, defeat well. So like, like I said, I don't want to judge his personality, but yeah, it, it can go too far at times for sure. And I, yeah, I witnessed I that agree. myself last year. Yeah. Yep. He, he, you know, part of it is he's, he's an entertainer and this and that, but yeah, I do think it, it, it does go a bit far, especially when you're, when you're televising events and in front of, you know, large audiences and things. I, I think you have to learn to be a little more professional um, at times and not threaten to burn down casinos. Cause I, I think that's well <laughs> over the top and, and things. That is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, it's a game, I mean, right? We, we... It's in really bad taste. I mean, there was a yes. bad fire in Las Vegas just this week. The week we're recording this episode, there's been a bad fire in Las Vegas, I think. I've seen something on Twitter. I uh, saw that, yes. That. Yeah, I mean, it's in bad taste. That 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 can be something that can can hurt people that, that, that have been through something traumatic, yep. you know? yeah. Agreed. Yeah, and he's just, so, he's just shooting from the hip. It's it's not it's not acceptable. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, I'm in agreement. Like you said, he he's a great player. We we definitely have to give him that. And it it kind of begs the question a little bit, a little maybe over, you know, a little more involved than we'll get here on this episode on in this podcast at all. But you know, you wonder does somebody need to be that way in order to be one of the greats? And I I guess not. There's examples like. Doyle Brunson and some others who are also great players, maybe not with 16 bracelets, but Phil Ivey, Nick Shulman, like we contrasted him with, 
um, earlier who went on to win that seven card stud who just conducts himself just incredibly professionally win or lose. Um, he, he He's very, a very positive person to watch. And I think that like you mentioned, he's Nick Shulman is, is great for poker. Yeah. hundred mm. percent. Yep. So do you, why don't we walk into any um, mixed game news you have for us from Europe? Um, nothing especially news-wise uh, at the moment, no. Uh, okay. I, th- I think things things get cooled down a little bit in summer. I mean, there the are events coming up, but there the, are the, the things that I hear about that's, that are not confirmed. Um, so I don't want to speculate. But maybe in, okay, in the next then I will be because yeah. things. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna bring it up then because this is probably what you're talking about. And I was like, if you, if you, if you don't have a lot, we'll uh, we'll also bring this up. And that's the cheating by Martin Cabral. I'm not sure if that's what you're talking alleged about. Alleged cheating. Actually, no. Yes, actually, alleged, I'm, I'm thinking you, more yes. positive things. More positive things that might happen in Europe in the next few months. Okay. I, I, all right. I, I, I don't want to jump the gun and say this is going to happen, that's going to happen when they might not. People are talking, but but uh, let's see if things come off. But yeah, go yeah, ahead. Let's, yeah, let, let's wait, like you said, to confirm those. But yes, alleged cheating. Thank you for that. So we'll talk. We'll actually, how about we talk about marking cards? Um, and, and of course, his name will come up. But, um, you know, about poss- the possibility of marking cards and how likely that is and how often it happens. Um, and I'm not sure. I know you keep up with a lot of these topics and um, I do as well. Uh, and I, I imagine you've yeah. seen some of the videos that people have put together where he's really so, yeah, handling yeah, yeah. handling the cards very heavily. Yeah. And if it's a specific card and a specific finger, it seems to stick. He lifts his hand. He puts the two fingers on the two cards. He lifts his hand and one sticks and then it drops. Um, yes. And then you but, have people but, saying maybe he ate something greasy, this and that. Well, yeah. I don't know. Phil Helmuth eats some very greasy food. I've seen him on some high, you know, high stake streams, and I don't really see cards sticking to his finger. Of course, he wipes them on his clothing, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's a different type of. Uh... Yes. <laughs> Classy guy, yeah. Um, but you know, you know what? When I first started playing poker over twenty years ago in a in a in a casino in Northern England, there was a situation where um, there was somebody obviously marking the low cards with a thumbnail, uh, and this this was in dealers' choice games where high low games were quite popular. The twos and threes were often marked by a thumbnail. Um, it's, it's you, you know, you, you, the, the decks would be changed frequently because somebody would see that there's a, and nobody knew who'd done it, but it was a, a quite a frequent thing that we would see. Um, so how obvious was it? Seems that seems like to be... Version. Well, you know what it's like. You, 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 a, a card slides towards you when the dealer's pitching a card towards you. Uh, and you think you see something, you, you stop the card, and you realise when you tilt your head a bit to the right or something, and, you, and the, the the light above the table is in a specific location, you can see 
an indent on the card and it might be three quarters of an inch from the from one corner. Um, so you report it. Now, uh, now you're talking about Martin Cabrill and, and what he seems to be alleged to be doing is slightly different to that, but it has a similar effect. And maybe it's not as easily picked up and seen because um, I think maybe he hasn't been doing that. You know, it's, it's alleged. It, it's it's not definitely he's done that. It, the, 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 there's another theory that he's doing this to make people think that he's cheating. So they tilt. They don't focus on their game. They focus on hiding their cards from him. And they're not playing their A game as a result because that that's not where their mental energy is going. They're not, they're not thinking, what can I do with this hand? They're thinking, how do I avoid him seeing what I've got? Um, but it's a that is a thing, distinct you know. possibility, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I uh, um, yeah, it's. I mean, it does look like if you watch, it, it does look like he is now. Whether he really yeah. is, and you know, you hope they're checking the cards, and but you know, you you wonder in something a tournament this big with so much going on, how how closely who is checking, how easy is it to see? I, I hear a lot of comments on like, well, if everybody sees it, why don't they report it? Well, th there are a lot of things that we miss as humans. If you don't know what to look for, you might not even see it. Or, you know, I mean, if it's some kind of special ink, that's a whole nother thing. But um, I can tell you that I played the gladiators event and all the aces in one of our decks was marked and none of us saw it. But once oh, the dealer actually found it because the dealers check the cards, but again, they're working how many hours per day and how easy, how much experience do they have at looking at cards and finding marks because you know, it's not easy, but if you know what you put there and what it should look like, you're going to be able to distinguish that from background very easily. So, but all of the aces were marked in one of our decks and we didn't know, nobody in our table knew it, but a dealer showed us then. And once you see it, then it's easier to see. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's beyond the cheating as well. It's his behavior, you know, his, his behavior, at the table, it, it, it takes over long over decisions. He, uh, he, I saw that he had king two and somebody pushed all in, all in, and it, it, it took a long time. You know, asking, you know, how, how, how much, what have you got left in your stack? And it, it's going to fold this hand. The other, the, the guy who shoved had aces. Had aces, right? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's going to fold king two. So why is he bothering with all this, this shenanigans? All this, this. This this display of just you know it, it, it I think he's clearly doing it to get under people's skin. And, and make yeah, I guess tilt. he sees it as a as yeah. a tactic. Yeah, but then if we're going to talk about that, are we going to talk? You know, we mentioned Helmuth earlier in this episode. You know, you know, are are his antics a bit too much, or is Cabrell's over the line? Mm -hmm. And that's sort of the question: what, what is over the line? I, I don't think, in in my opinion, honestly, this is this stuff is not that difficult to come up with solutions to. I think a lot of people make it more difficult than it is. And um, I, I, I feel like I could solve these issues um, rather, rather <laughs> simply, but yeah, I do agree. Yeah. His antics are much, whether he is cheating or not, you should not be going out of your way to act like you are, whether you are or are not. You know, if you're going to go in and act like you're going to rob a bank, you're probably going to get arrested and at least detained for a bit. 
Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, to com- to contrast his behaviour with that of Helmuth, usually Helmuth's behaviour is on busting a tournament, and there's no point in tilting your opponent once you busted a tournament because you're not going to profit from that. Whereas with well, you talk about Martin Cabral is doing this uh, very much, pretty much every single hand of yeah. every yeah. event, yeah. right? Yeah. So good. Okay. Yeah, I like that. That's a good distinguishing factor, I believe. Yeah, it's kind of helping you on his way out, or if he's has a has gotten a bad beat, and and you know, hey, it's yeah. an emotional game. It it it's tough. Yeah. It, it, it's not happened to, to me that, as well. Not to say that I'm excusing Helmer's behavior 100 percent of the time. Just, just to provide a very clear contrast between the two people. Yeah. Yes, and I'm not either. And I mentioned I get that way, but but I'm not flipping tables and berating players and dealers. I'm I might be upset and angry, but I'm more. It's more internal. Yeah. Um, like uh, I should have known better. I should have maybe laid that one down. Maybe there was something I missed. So it's more. You know, I look inward. Like you know, can, can I become a better player? if I review this hand in my mind and, and it's more being upset at myself and my play more than, and just knowing that it's, it's, it's a game of variance and, and the cards come, they it come. Sure and, is, yeah. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. stud is a tough one. You can have the best hand and someone can hit their flush or straight on if they hung around until seventh, seventh street yeah. And, yeah. The, and they may beat you. And, and that can be painful because the pots get pretty big in stud. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, so the, yeah, the, so we'll see. Good. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> there was a hand of super stud that I played at the home game last weekend. I'd, I'd run really bad for several hours, and then I'm, I've got rolled up sixes and play a nice, play a nice uh, aggressive hand, and then uh, the woman next to me, it's a king to match another king she already had on Seventh Street, and. Re-raises my bet all in. This is a pot limit game. And I said to her, uh, nobody else is in the hand. I've, I've called. All the action's over. I said to her, do you have another king under there? And she shook her head. I thought, oh, okay, so I'm ahead. Then she turned over another king. <laughs> I flinched a little bit after that. But she, she was actually shaking her head to say, I don't just have another king. I have a full house. But Oh, I see. <laughs> but yeah, yeah so, I could see how you you could take that as she was sort of slow playing it, or you know, yeah, trying to angle. But anyway, that wow. that yeah, it, it, it's it's a different thing. It, it I, I would say, and um, uh, yeah, she, I agree. She, <laughs> yeah, she she yeah. understood my reasons for getting uh, a little bit. Irate when uh, I thought that I'd won at last after after several hours of running badly, I thought I'd won a pot at last, and then uh, only to find out that I hadn't. <laughs> right. Well, it's like that. I find before we move on here, quick in, in a lot of things, a lot of it's just about communication. It's about two human beings not understanding what the other one is thinking, and then you you discuss that, and you're like, oh, well, now I can see your viewpoint, and it's not what I thought. It's not as sort of detrimental or negative as I thought because 
you know, that's how I was thinking and, and you're thinking a different way. And, you know, communication discussion can go a long way, I think, in this game as well as in relationships. So it's a, it's a life yeah. kind of kind You've of articulated thing. that really well, Sean. That's a very good point. Yeah, we, we, we talked about it again, the lady and I, and uh, that's basically what it boiled down to. We both saw that, yeah. But you've articulated it really well there, yeah. Excellent. Mm. All right, let's uh, – we, yeah, we'll hear a little bit more about – um you know, getting emotional in, in games when we talk about my play, but let's, uh, yeah, let's, let's go over some mixed oh, game events. Yeah, no, it's not, it's not as bad as any of the, these, some of, some of this, uh, flipping tables kinds of things, but, uh, it, it, it got to me a little bit and we'll, we'll go over that, but some, let me just briefly, uh, go over some of the, the, uh, mixed game events real quick. I'm just mostly in Vegas here since the WSOP is in full swing. And I know a lot of the players are, um, traveling, you know, to and from Las Vegas or staying for the entirety. But it's running now through July 18th at the Paris and Horseshoe Casinos in Las Vegas with plenty of mixed games um, with buy-ins ranging from 1500 to 10000 on the mixed side and, you know, with the 50000 PPC, which is an exception. But uh, if you heard, you know, early in this episode, I mentioned the, the conclusion, who won some of those events and... Uh, but there's still plenty to uh, to take place yet here over the next uh, couple few weeks. And there are also mixed cash games that run regularly alongside the tournament events. So inside the Paris Casino at the WSOP, there's a mixed cash game, usually one to two tables each day. It's adjacent to King's Lounge. And it's generally a 20-40 limit mix. And it differs a little bit each day. But some of the mix uh, that I've seen includes... Archie, um, which I talked about in episode 23, Badesi, you can review episode 16, Badusi, Badugi, Deuce to Seven Triple Draw, Dromaha, Razdusi, which uh, is one we haven't discussed yet, but that'll be coming up in episode 34, Razdusi, Seven Card Stud, Super Stud, Eight or Better. So there's these, these are some of them. There's a board, which I like. They have sort of a dry erase board up at the registration table where you put your name on the list, um, what games are going that day. And I do like that. Um, it just makes it e a little easier to, to, to sort of make a decision. Um, as a side note, I did spot, for those of us who know, it goes way back this name, but Cindy Violet, um, I've seen her playing in that game uh, most of the days that I've walked through that room. Uh, so that's the, yeah, amazing, right? It's almost, it's yeah. pretty much a dealer's choice, so to speak, but there's a, it's a smaller mix and, and they just rotate. Yeah. That sounds I like think a there's, nice game to get involved in. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I forget what the number is, if it's nine or 10 or 12 games, but, um, but it is nice. Yeah. It's, it's a little easier, at least from my viewpoint, the dealer's choice, some of the games, you know, we talk about dozens of games through this podcast. And, you know, if there's sort of this unlimited 50 game possibility, it can be maybe it maybe it might be a little intimidating, even though the, the stakes are low for some folks. Whereas this now the stakes are a little bigger, but it's a little less intimidating on the number of game size. You can know it's sort of limited to this whatever nine game mix, for example. And so it depends on what you're intimidated by the money or the, the, uh, the number of games. So there's a little bit of something for everybody out there. Yeah. Um, mm. The Aria poker classic is currently being held at the Aria casino in Las Vegas. Now through July 15th, those mixed games uh, have smaller crowds and smaller buy-ins. Um, and I'll talk about 
when I, we get to my play, one of those games. But those buy-ins, they go down to $240, but generally the mixed games are six or $800 buy-ins. A lot better than $1,500 to $10,000. The Golden Nugget Grand Poker Series um, on Fremont Street in downtown Las Vegas is running through July 3rd with some PLO, Big O, um, and some other mixed games with like two to three hundred dollar buy in. So there's there's something out there really for for everybody. And of course, to cap this off, don't forget about Robbie Straczynski's mixed game festival that uh, number five, which will be going on at Resorts World, Las Vegas, from July second to the sixth, where you can find some four eight and eight sixteen dealers choice cash games. So some super low stakes. And the players, uh, Martin and I played in that last year. Martin plays in, uh, played a lot more than me, but it's extremely friendly. Uh, all the players will help you learn the games. They have zero problem with that. And you might say, well, of course, they're trying to take your money. Well, of course, we're all trying to take each other's money. But, you know, at 4-8, you know, you're not going to lose, hopefully, your bankroll. Um, and it's a good it's a good spot to just learn a pile of games and have a really fun time. And nobody's flipping tables. I promise that. Oh and yeah, it's, it's, it's a wonderful right. place to learn the learn the games. It's, it's absolutely recommended to anyone, and I mean it's so much fun and and such little stress. Yeah, yeah. And Robbie's you a great guy. Games, you know, yeah, he certainly yeah, yeah, yeah. He is, and he usually has some giveaways, giving away some signed books, and sometimes some you know some pros will stop by. Whether it's uh, you know Elia Lesra or Greg Raymer, sometimes they'll stop by and do book signings and. You know, Robbie will give away some T-shirts and things, so it's nice. And finally, follow uh, at Vic Vegas Mixed Games on Twitter for regular updates on all mixed game events through Las Vegas. Um, and that kind of, I'll just leave it there for the U.S. side of things. Um, what do you have from Europe, Martin? Uh, yeah, so when did you say the U.S. The, uh, WSOP finishes? The 18th of July? Yes. Is it? Yeah. Well, almost right after that, the the first event in Europe I I can see on the uh, on the schedules is the uh, Kings of Tallinn Summer Showdown, July the twenty first to the thirtieth. That includes um, purple face, upper face Chinese four five six card Omaha. There's a few Omaha events. There's a Deuce Seven Triple Draw Pot Limit tournament. There's uh bit and special um eight game and Soko, which is a a finished version of five card stud where you can play a four card straight or a four card flush to beat one pair but lose to two pair. Um, so that's the uh, 21st to the 30th of July. Some interesting mixed games tournaments there. There's a festival in Austria around about the same time that, that features one interesting tournament, which is the uh, Seven Card Stud European Championship. And that is uh, Monday the 24th to Tuesday the 25th of July. There's the Poker SM Live, which is... Sadly, limited to all the mixed mixed games tournaments are limited to Swedish players. Uh, that's going on from the fourteenth to the nineteenth of August. There's some interesting events there for for Swedish mixed games interest interest players. The side games will include some mixed games that are, I'm told uh, 
very good and, and not close to Swedish players. I've mentioned this all before on this podcast from the 2nd to 9th of September. There's the ETOP cruise around the Mediterranean, which <clears throat> includes a number of tournaments, including Omaha, Fit and Special, Omaha High Low, uh, Horse, Stud High Low, Eight Game, and another tournament called Mixed Cup. I don't know what that is. The, the buy-ins for the tournaments are all between 100 and 300 euros, so very low buy-ins. Uh, and I think from something I've, seen, something I've seen today online, there's only two cabins left, which is maximum of four players left. So the um, the tournaments are going to be well well, uh, well attended. And then just mark the dates, the, the, the festival series, which always has a wonderful mixture of mixed game festivals on and good side game action for mixed game players. That's 27th of November to the 3rd of December this year in Bratislava, which is a good, nice place to play poker, lovely city to visit, great place to walk around. And uh, that's at the Banco Casino in Bratislava as well. So it's right on the edge of the old town in Bratislava. Nice little walk down to the Danube if you get some time during the day. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the events coming up in Europe. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. Besides some some wonderful card playing, some some nice scenery as well. Yeah, it's a nice city for Bratislava for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and what was that? Just a, a few moments ago, Martin, a game you don't know what it is. Is that what I heard? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, on the festival, I'm sorry, on the schedule for the uh, Etop Cruise, the last tournament is a mixed cup what does mixed mean is it dealer's choice is it eight game is it horse is it some random collection of games in a rotation i don't know that's 120 euro buy-in i mean i'd love to play all those tournaments but i don't want to pay 2600 euros for for a cabin for two people that's the problem Yeah, I agree. And there's appears to only be a couple of left. So great. So it's it's nice. Again, we, we've talked about, you know, uh, how mixed games seem to be moving forward and, and becoming popular. And that's it's great to hear. Yeah, as I say, as, as I alluded to earlier, I'm hoping that there's more to come. Uh, I know that there's stuff being talked about by various groups. There's... Um, the festival series might be looking at some more stops next year. Uh, there's an Italian, another Italian company, not the ETOP company, that another Italian company that might be looking at re- resurrecting their um, previous. Th- th- there was a a previous series of mixed games festivals that they ran that they've not been seen for about five or six years, but I think they might be resurfacing. And then there's. Other stuff as well that I'm hoping is going to happen in Malta. So yeah, it could be quite, quite, uh, quite exciting. Quite exciting times coming up, hopefully. But uh, as yeah, I say, excellent. I don't want to be um, announcing anything that doesn't happen. Uh, that'd be a that'd be a letdown for everybody involved. <laughs> yes, yeah, better better to wait. So thanks for that. Yeah, All right, we'll yeah. go over. Uh, yeah, some some recent mixed gameplay. So basically, this will be. For me, my 2023 WSOP trip report. So, I first the first event I entered was uh, the fifteen hundred dollar eight game again at eight game event at the WSOP. 
Um, and I entered a few events, not, not to disappoint anybody here except myself, but um, entered a couple of events and I'm still waiting to find a day two at the WSOP, <laughs> but I get oh, ever <laughs> so close. Yeah, uh, that's sort of something I'm just just trying to get just to say I did it. Um, yeah. I, mean, I seem to come ever so close in nearly every single event I enter at the WSOP. And this was the closest I've been. Um, having been, I was probably about 40 minutes, maybe less away from a bag in this $1,500 eight game, a mix, uh, mix from a day two. But, um, I was originally seated at a table. I sit down and there to my left is Anthony Zeno and, oh, uh, to his <laughs> left is, was Patrick Leonard pads poker. And then yeah. also at our table was, yeah, a gentleman from Arizona, um, I'm, I'm going to kind of butcher his last name, but Nick Pupilo, um, he was at the other end of the table. And keep in mind that this eight game, it's only plays six handed. So these were three pros. And I feel like somebody else there was a pro, but I, I, I don't recognize everyone. And then it was me and somebody else. <laughs> so. Wow. Well, yeah, I played that event last year and my opening table was very, very... Um soft and then i got moved to another table that was it was ridiculous but ridiculously difficult but um not with people whose whose faces i recognize but i'm I'm sure that they were known players if you like uh, your your side of the atlantic at least and then uh i moved to another table another table i played with alan kessler and brandon shark harris and andre akari and some other players but um my, my second table was the toughest, but, but day two I did make. <laughs> and I stared at a number of hands all day that never got me anywhere and busted five short of the money. So I think if uh, I'd have busted on day one, I might have done something more useful with my next day. So at least take that as consolation for not making day two, Sean. <laughs> I will. Thanks. I, I almost feel a little bit better. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of people, it is hard to recognize some folks. I'm going to be honest. I did not know Patrick Leonard um, at that table. I knew, obviously, Anthony was talking to him and he was talking to Nick. And I, I, I knew, obviously, he was someone I should know. Um, and, and I just wasn't sure he was a very interesting character, nice gentleman, but, uh, I, I like to talk a lot at the table and, uh, he, he heard, I told him I had a podcast, um, and I mentioned you, Martin. And so then he was, you know, he just kept okay. telling everyone that came over to the table. And there was another professional player from Germany who I'm not sure of his name, but who came over and sort of stood behind him. And Patrick's like, well, he has a podcast. He's like, well, the German player was like, well, why haven't you had me on my podcast? And it's, it's not no limit. Hold them. Sorry. <laughs> so, but just interesting, uh, some interesting ban banter. And then I, of course I, I went away and, and found out it was actually Patrick Leonard. So I was a little bit embarrassed um, okay. that I didn't know him, but I, I don't always recognize people so well. And he's from England, I, I believe. Um, but he, he was, he had some Italian, he was speaking just some, some sort of English Italian and it was, it was actually kind of comical. He says "Mamma Mia" a lot, and it just sounded funny to oh, hear this Italian right. phrase coming from Patrick. But uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I did when I when I first sat down. Uh, you know, I looked to my left as I said, I, I say hello to Anthony Z. I said, "You Anthony?" He's like, "Yeah." So 
I was like, oh, well, well, that's great. You know, this might not be the best seating arrangement for me. But I continued by saying, well, if I'm going to win the event, I have to get through everybody. So I might as well get you out of the way first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, nice one. Yes. So I did actually, (laughs) I actually held my own at that table. Um, despite the talent that was there for the, I was at that table for probably the six or seven or so hours of at least I'd say maybe seven, eight hours of play. And then I got moved (laughs) and that's when I ended up, I lost a big seven card stud hand. And then I lost two big deuce to seven triple draw hands. I had really good hands and the, the guy that beat me out of the gentleman on the other end of the table. And there was another player that was there and said, he's been just, just something. He's just somehow getting the cards and nobody seems to be able to, you know, get a hand off <sighs> of him. And, uh, you know, so I, I got short stacked, never regained momentum. And like I said, I was probably less than 40 minutes from, from the end of the day, but I just, I just, just couldn't hang on. I was just trying to, I was like, let me try to win a couple of hands and they just didn't work out. Yeah, it was no, it was great fun. No. I lasted most yeah. of the day. So, and it's it's good to think was... that you you sat with all those big names and you were you didn't feel like you came away from that table having played badly, having been outplayed. You you, you felt like you you stood up well against that challenge. You know, it, it's it's good to feel like I think, yeah, yes, uh, yeah, it it is, and. I do have to say, I think I was not sure if I was going to say this, but I am not that pads is going to listen to this, but I did tell him I would probably talk about him on the podcast. There was a hand and I never told him what I had in the hand. So there was a hand. We were on Hold'em in the eight game mix and no I bluffed limit, him out of a box. Fix limit. No limits off. Yeah. Fix fi- yes. Yes. And which, which I, well, it was eight game. So was it? No, I don't remember. Okay. Honestly, now I feel like it was no limit. Um, there was a lot going on at the table. I wasn't paying as much attention to to it as I should have. I should have wrote it down, but I believe it was the no limit hold them round. Um, and I knew the only way I was probably going to win it was to take a, a bluff at it. And I did. And he laid it down and I didn't show what I had. I told him I would tell him later, but then I, I got moved from the table and had forgot. But I didn't see his cards. He kind of flipped his cards up a little, but I didn't. I, I saw an ace, but I also had an ace. But someone told me he had ace king and I had ace jack and there was nothing. The The flop was like three, three deuce and then just garbage after that. Okay, so, um, so yeah, you took the stab and he folded his ace high. Nice one. <laughs> and because it was no limit, and that's why I, I'm pretty sure it was no limit because he probably would have called, a, you know, a, a, a single fixed limit on the end just in case. I don't yeah, think he yeah. would have laid it down for that, but but who knows? Wow. Mm, good. Nice hand. Yeah. So the, the, the yes, sizing so got I, it done then. Yeah, so I did want to just sort of say that uh, because I, t- I told him I would I would say – I told him I would let him know and uh, – here, if he wants to hear, he can come and listen to our podcast and uh, draw some audience. So let me go through some of the other games quick since we're kind of uh, dragging this. This is a long one today, but uh, the World Series oh, is going is, yeah. on. So yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of information here. So I play also played the uh, $600 Aria Poker Classic Triple Draw Mix, which was Deuce to Seven Triple Draw, Badoogie, and Badoosie. So all, all Triple Draw games. But kind of interesting, you know, you play Deuce to Seven Triple Draw and Badoogie, and then you pay, play Badoosie, which is a combination of those two games. So That's nice, yeah. Yeah, I was actually playing quite well 
Then all of a sudden, the player to my left just he just kept one upping me on every single hand. It'd be like him and I heads up, and he just kept beating me. And I, I should have taken a cue and just stayed out of his way, but I I just kept. It's like we both kept getting hands, and then I hit a big hand induced a seven, not huge, but I I really thought. I could take one back from him. I, mean, I had an eight, seven, you know, again, not the best hand, but certainly not terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ended up with a seven, six. And, and, and I just, again, I just should have got out of his way, but I, it was one of those. And I did get a little bit emotional. Um, you know, I, I was talking a lot before that hand and I just kind of got quiet after that. I, I wasn't real happy because it, it took me down to a very short stack. And again, I didn't yell at him. I didn't flip a table or you know, tell him he doesn't know how to play or because obviously he knows how to play, but uh, I just, it was just upset the way the cards were coming. That, that was all. And I was, I, I think I was had too much of that vendetta and I, and I thought I've got him on this one and uh, I should have just realized, you know, I wasn't as strong as, I should be sort of betting out with that kind of hand. It's more of a check call kind of hand. Yeah. But yeah. there were a hundred players in that event. I ended up 44th. I thought, you know, let me play this one day event. I make it almost a day two in the multi-day WSOP event. So that means I should be able to get through a single day event, but alas. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't. And it was nice to see a hundred players turn out for that. I, to me, the Aria, is a nice venue to play at friendly players. Mm. You have, uh, I believe it's Paul Gamble Campbell um, that runs the show over there. Rulings were made fast. Um, we had a couple of flops nice, that were dealt nice. in the games. Yeah. So, but it, but it, but it went very well. Um, so I didn't get to play as much non holdem as I would have liked, but I also took a shot at a couple of holdem tournaments. Um, and one of them was a, a, I don't want to talk about holdem here much, but one of them was uh, since it was a, a little bit to this one, the bar poker open pro-am was down at the golden nugget. And I do like it downtown. And there were going to be some pros there. Um, Jamie, uh, Kerstetter, um, who I briefly saw, but it would have been nice to have a little chat with her. Um, I really enjoy her, um, on Twitter and she just seems like a, a very nice, friendly individual, but sure, Joey yeah. Ingram. Yeah. Joey Ingram, for <laughs> those who know him was seated, uh, next to me. So. Oh, what nice, nice, uh, nice experience. If not, if not the easiest chips to pick up, yeah, <laughs> for sure. He he kind of he was kind of he was seated directly to my right, and he he kind of was he was like you're a bit chatty, <laughs> so, <laughs> which I took as a compliment because that's why we prefer mixed games, right, Martin? I mean, there's yeah. social, there's some social aspects. Of course, yeah, for yeah, sure, so yeah. He, he asked me, you know, maybe maybe you've had an edible or something. I said, no, but I did have a strong <laughs> cup of coffee right before this event. He was still half asleep. We were waiting for a shot of whiskey. So uh, so we, we did some whiskey oh. after that and <laughs> kept things rolling. You should have got him but an I espresso do... martini. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, that would have been great. Yeah. Um, the one thing being at the World Series does, you know, being with thousands upon thousands of of poker players interested um, in this game, this card game that we're all interested in. It certainly reinvigorates one's love um, for the game. And I, I'm I'm determined to play a lot more um, uh, as I kind of, as the year passes on. So I did mention I'm in San Diego now for a bit. I'll probably be trying to hit a card room or two in San Diego, but doubtful I'll find any mixed games. So that'll probably just be some hold'em and, 
Um, so I'm not, you know, if I get there, I get there. If I don't, I don't. So that wraps mm-hmm. it up for me. I've gone on long enough. What, uh, what do you have for us for your recent mixed gameplay, Martin? Um, okay. Well, I've, I've been playing online again. And I've actually had a bit of a barren run. I've not won a tournament for a couple of weeks. So, um, more or less breaking even. A little bit, a little bit on the wrong side of that, but not too much. Uh, I did mention already that I played a home game a few days ago, where I uh, I ran bad for several hours. Um, we started at four p.m. and finished at six a.m. By the time the dust settled, I was down one hundred and forty-five euros, which is a lot less than I had been earlier on. Um, some some hands late on in the in the session, gave me some 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 of my chips back. Um, but I had a fantastic time. We played some great games. We played some Overjack, both pot limit and fixed limit. And uh, yeah, th- this episode's been all about Overjack, and I definitely recommend that as a game. Uh, if if people are thinking about games to introduce to their home games or their mixed games, wherever they are, it's definitely a, a fun game and. Uh, it is good for recreational and experienced players alike. Yeah, I, I don't want to, not much more to say, I think. I actually had a week off last week for, for family reasons, but uh, um, so I've not played too much since the last podcast. Uh, that's about it. All right. Well, it sounds like we switched roles. I wasn't playing a whole lot and you were, (laughs) and we switched roles, except I haven't won as much as you did in the beginning of this year. You need to keep doing it, Sean. Practice makes perfect. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to taking some, taking some wins here, but it's, it's great fun. Nonetheless. If you want to learn more about mixed games, Martin and I have each written a book. Head over to Amazon for my book, Poker, All the Games, a comprehensive introductory guide to mixed games. There you can read the rules and basic strategy for each of 23 mixed poker games, as well as other chapters on why mixed games provide a better edge than hold'em, and other things like health and wellness, um, which are important not only in life, but also in playing this game of poker. Martin, why don't you tell us about your ebook? Yeah, my ebook is called Pot Limits Vitan Special. It's also available on Amazon. It's about one specific game. It's a European version of Dromaha. Uh, it takes you right through from the very basic how to deal and play the game, what the rules are, through the starting hands, every different type of starting hand, all the odds for completing your hands both the draw hand and the Omaha hand. It takes you through the pre-flop, flop, draw, turn and river stages. It also gives you a quiz section near the end, which can uh, question you your uh, awareness of how well you've learned how to play the different betting rounds and how to decide which cards to draw. And then there's a, there's a section at the very end which goes through a few other variations of Svitin Special or Dromaha that I have played at, at that point when I'd written the book. And I'm also working on the hard copy. No ETA on that at the moment, but uh, that is in a work in progress. You can follow me on Twitter at P O K 
are all the games. It's poker at poker, all the games, but there's no E in poker because it's too many letters for Twitter or subs and or subscribe at pokerchannel.substack.com. And when you see our um, on Twitter, we post these uh, episodes and or if you go to uh, Substack and subscribe there, uh, hit the like button for us, send the subscribe um, to pokerchannel.substack.com. And you can also follow Martin at go ahead martin okay my handle is uh, on both twitter and substack uh, is poker for leisure or poker for leisure p-o-k-e-r the number four l-e-i-s-u-r-e so on twitter it's poker for at poker for leisure and on substack it's poker for leisure dot substack dot com well that's all for episode 32 oma jack Join us again in two weeks for episode 33, where we will discuss pineapple, deuce to seven, open face, Chinese poker. And we'll see how well we can say that after we've had a couple of these beers that we review. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Poker All the Games. Thanks to Ricky Snyder for music and sound. Be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast, Poker All the Games, so you never miss an episode. Until then... May your hands be huge, your cards fill both high and low, and scoop as many pots as you can. Mm-hmm.